Welcome to the Beacon Way Podcast, where your hosts, Jennifer Christensen and Adrian Wilkerson, talk shop about what really works in today's digital marketing world. As the co-founders of Beacon Media and Marketing, Jennifer and Adrian have been a part of digital marketing since its early stages in the mid-2000s. Tune in as they shine light on what works and what doesn't in the ever-changing world of digital marketing for small businesses. Welcome back. This is our third part in our brand messaging series for the month of June. So we're digging in even deeper today. Jennifer's here with me and we're going to be talking about what problem does your product or service solve for your target audience. We're going to dig into your unique position in the industry. What makes you special? How are you doing something that's different than your competition? And how do you figure out who your competition is? And we're going to talk a lot today about that balance between quality, price, and speed. And can you actually have a balance, truly? Or do you just need to own your pieces? And that's going to be kind of our place where we wrap up today. So starting off when we're talking about what problem is your product or service solving, last episode we talked a lot about your pain points. We see a lot of times people confuse the pain points and the problem solving into one thing. And there is nuance between the two. The pain point is the problem. That's what the client wants you to solve. So then the next step is how. How are you solving that for the client? What is your, how is your service addressing that problem? And this is really core to understanding and being able to build your marketing messaging, your brand message, because this really needs to flood into all parts of your marketing. What are some of the specific pieces where really understanding how you're solving your client's problems could roll out? Like what are some of the different marketing channels where this would be effective to know how you're solving their problem. Yeah, I guess the first thing I want to start with on this one is that I think this is an area where ego can really get in the way. And so just to really be aware of that, that expect some pain personally on this one, because you might think that you're you know, service or your product is the best thing ever in solving the client's problem. But the truth is that what we see, we've seen this for ourselves and we see this for almost every client is that it's usually a much more complex and deeper situation than what you think, right? So let's say that we'll just take Beacon, for example. So as a digital marketing agency, how are we solving problems for our clients? So we are often doing all of the digital marketing for them. So that is solving a problem of knowledge and lack of knowledge and lack of time on a business owner's situation where they know that they need to be in these platforms because that's how their potential clients find them, whether it's Google or Facebook or Pinterest or you know whatever works for their particular market, but they don't have the time or even the funding to maybe be able to hire somebody in-house like their own CMO. And so they outsource it, right? They're like, okay, I know I need to do this. This is going to benefit my company and bringing in new clients and helping me grow and you know, Beacon can do this work for me. So how does it get more complicated than that? Well, it gets more complicated than that because what if the problem that we're solving 
means that we still need five to 10 hours of time of the business owner every month to get information from them to be able to put online. Well, now we're not solving the problem so much. Now we're taking up a bunch of time in the business owner and they're like, well, this is really frustrating. Like, I thought you guys were taking this off of my hands. Now you're asking all this time for me. Now you're costing me time and money. You know, what if we're asking questions they don't have the answers to? They can't figure out who had the last password on their you know, on their website, that's another frustration. You know, we're asking them to go deep into questions. I mean, these things get much more complex. You might think just on the surface, this is just obvious. I'm just solving this. But you have to look at the deeper layers of what that person is actually going through and what is actually a problem for them. If time is truly the core problem and your solution is costing them as much time as it would cost them to do it themselves, you got a bigger problem. (laughs) You're probably not going to have a whole lot of business. So I guess the first thing is you need to really make sure you're identifying and going deep enough to understand what all of their pain points are, not just around your service, but all of their pain points so that you can make sure you're not actually exasperating those. If your onboarding process, like our onboarding process used to be pretty wonky and take a lot longer time, that's really frustrating for the business owner, Right. So they're having to invest a whole lot on the front end. If you can make that much more streamlined for them, you know, if you can keep thinking about what the problem that you're solving and making it as easy, removing barriers as clear as possible, all of those things. I mean, I know I'm, I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but you have to go deeper right. into really making sure that you're actually solving the problem because it's not always the problem you think it is. Absolutely. And I would go to build on what you just said because, that is so spot on. Like you've got to go deeper. And sometimes clients won't ever get to the point of really enjoying you solving the problem because you've created additional more things. Problems. More problems. <laughs> right. right. In the process of that. Okay. So product service offerings, what problem are you solving for them? One thing to consider when you're looking at being able to solve a problem for your clients and Jen touched on this, is when you are solving their problem, are you creating other problems? And so Jen just identified that oftentimes your onboarding, for example, or something along those lines, might be creating more problems for the client in the process of that. And that really goes back to what we were talking about last week about pain points. And Jen articulated it so well about seeking deeper and really understanding the whole scope of their pain points. And I think one of the things that I love that she does is that she does ask so many questions around not just the service, but around their life and around their whole interaction with their business, with their vendors, all of those kinds of things. Because you can solve more problems and you might find other problems that you can solve that another service that you're offering might also solve when you ask those questions. And oftentimes a client will come to you wanting this problem solved, one problem solved, and not even knowing that you might have the solution to two or three of their other problems. And if you don't dig deep, you may never even know that you can actually help them with multiple things. Yeah, it's a great way to figure out how to expand maybe your service offerings too. Mm -hmm. So one thing that we've identified is that a lot of our clients, they don't have the internal processes necessarily to handle leads very efficiently that they struggle with that internal side of marketing or internal side of sales, sales and marketing go together. 
And so let's say they're spending, you know, $10,000 a month with us. I mean, that would be a, a high level client, but they're spending $10,000 a month with us to get all these leads in the door, but then they don't have somebody who's responding on phones right away. They don't have somebody responding on emails or texts right away. And they're actually losing some of those dollars. Well, that's not technically our fault as a company. We're doing a great job and we're providing leads, but ultimately we haven't solved the whole problem. So where we've taken that is really working with the client And even though that's a little bit outside of our scope, but really working with the client on, okay, let's make sure your internal systems are set up to meet the needs of these leads coming in, educating them, letting them know, you know, best practices are to get back to somebody within five minutes or whatever the industry standard is. Technically, that's not our job, but those are things that can massively affect your business because ultimately, are they going to want to keep paying you if those leads aren't converting? Probably not. And then that's going to come back on you and and your profitability and your business. Or, I mean, one thing that we've looked at is even expanding our services to hire a call center or to have other pieces or to refer to somebody, you know, create business partners. Those are solving the bigger problems for the client and less for them to worry about. And it puts you in the position of being a great partner. So again, the deeper you go and the more complex problems you solve, the more valuable you are as a partner. Absolutely. Well, and I think that ties right into our second point of, you know, what makes you different from the competition? What are you doing that somebody else in your industry is not doing? And I would be willing to make a pretty significant bet that most companies in your industry are not going this deep. They're not asking these questions because it is time consuming and it is going that extra mile. And some companies, your competition may not have the resources to do it. They might not have the interest to do it. But if you're willing to do that, that can put you in a very unique position. And like Jen said, if you can find a way to solve additional problems for them or solve the problems in a really unique way, in a really special way that eliminates some of the other problems, that makes you the unique one in your industry. And when you can be that unique company in your industry, you're light years ahead of your competition. And especially if your business is trying to break into a very well-established industry, you've got to have that unique position in that industry because you're breaking into where other people are very, very established. So understanding your industry is massively important. And understanding who the big players are, who are the new players, who've been around forever, what are they doing well, what are they not doing, this is where you could be your own secret shopper kind of a person. And we've done this over the years. We've called our competition and asked them questions and posed as a potential client and just asked honest questions just to see what our competition was doing well and where we could learn right alongside them, really, to try to be able to take care of our clients better. It's, it's interesting how easy it is. And this is just reminding me, like, I need to go back and do this again. I haven't done it in a while. But it's just interesting how you can get so focused on, you know, navel gazing and just focused on, you know, your own little bubble and just forget that that is not where your clients are. Mm-hmm. Your clients have many, many, many options, right? And I mean, I always crack up when people say, you know, nobody's our competition or everybody's our competition. You know, neither one is correct at all. Just because you have competition doesn't mean that's bad. I mean, 
Burger King, McDonald's, like they're pretty dang similar. Wendy's, right? They're all in the fast food industry. Coke they're Pepsi. all offering similar stuff. Yeah. Coke and Pepsi, right? Competition is not a bad thing at all. If anything, it actually brings awareness to your industry. We found that out in the beginning when we were kind of the only ones in our city that actually as digital marketing got more popular, it benefited us hugely because we weren't the only ones out there educating about it. But you still have to recognize that they have many, many options and opportunities. And if you're not being clear about what your unique position it is and solving problems better or faster or deeper than the competition that you're ultimately in, you know, just a few steps away from losing that client. Absolutely. So there was one thing that has helped Jen and I a lot over the years. And I feel like we've, most people in business have seen this triangle and one point of the triangle is quality. Another point is price. And another point is speed. And you can't do all three equally. You can usually do two, but you can't do all three. Trust me, we've tried. It doesn't work. And we've talked to a lot of business owners over the years that have tried. And we have yet to hear a single one who has truly, truly done this. And so as far as we're concerned, the business, the business adage stands that you can only do too well and one's going to have to give. And what we mean by that is that if you are offering a very high quality product, let's say purses, you're producing very custom, unique, made to order purses with very specific product types, styles, things like that. So quality is obviously going to be one of your number one things because you have a unique high-end product. So most of the time, most of us do not expect to get that high-end product fast. We expect to pay a pretty penny for it because it's high-end, it's unique, it's special, but we don't expect it fast. So in that scenario, in that triangle, speed is the one that has to give because we've got high quality, you've got to charge for it, and it's going to take a while to produce quality products. You see these in high-end restaurants too. Sometimes they'll even tell you, This particular dish takes longer to make because of the unique pieces to it. It's higher quality. We're paying more for it. Okay, we're going to wait a few extra minutes for it. So that's the one that's got to give in that scenario. But if speed is the place that you're building your business on, you're getting the product out the door as fast as you can. You're beating your competition because you have an edge somewhere and you can produce that product faster than XYZ company. You can get it to your client's store faster than anybody else in your industry. So which of the other two do you think is going to have to give in that area? It can be quality. You can have a lesser quality product, but you can get it to their door faster. Or you're going to have to give on price. And you're going to have to charge a premium and charge more than your competition because you're getting it to them faster and you're maintaining quality. But something's got to give. And so you've got to decide what you're willing to give on And sometimes it's evolved. I mean, when Jen and I first started, price was what we had to compromise on because we were first to market in the state of Alaska and our product was an unknown. Our service was really an unknown. Alaska was like, we don't really understand what you're doing, but we think it's the next thing. And so, okay, we'll pay for it. But what we were charging them at the time was so much less than anybody else in the continental United States was charging. And so much less than we're charging now, but that was what we had to do because that's all the market would bear. So price is what had to give. I don't know that anybody really cared about speed back then. I mean, timeliness, yes, we had to post the content when we said we were going to post it. 
but price was the big thing that had to give in that particular scenario. What are some other scenarios that you've seen, Jen? Yeah, I mean, it can change over time, which I, I love that you gave that example, because in the beginning for ours, it was price. I mean, I think about it now, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like how do we even survive? But you know, it can change over time, like it has with us, where we've moved more to quality and still keeping the speed component, because that's important in our industry and it affects the outcome. But we've definitely upped the price because we've been able to establish a level of value and proof of concept that's well beyond what we started. I think like Airbnb is a great example where they started out like much cheaper. That was like, again, that was their calling card in the, in the beginning. So much less expensive, right? So people were really excited about that. There was an option that was less. And now they've gone totally the opposite direction. So now it's gone, you know, really unique you know, high quality, wonderful experiences, definitely not cheaper anymore. I mean, it's almost become a joke because they've gone so far that direction. Right. So your company can morph and probably should morph over time, depending on where you want to be. If you always want to be the, you know, go with the price thing, then it's just figuring out how you can get absolutely the best quality for the price and keeping that at that point. But that's a tougher road, actually. I think if you stay with the price one, lots of businesses, I mean, obviously we know McDonald's, Burger King, like we talked about fast food, they're going to be much more focused on price and, and speed than quality. We all know that based on the name fast food. So there's definitely different businesses in different industries that focus on three things, but or focus on two out of the three, or some of them even heavily only focus on one. Like right. I would say for, for fast food, sometimes it isn't that much cheaper. Than not anymore. It's not anymore. How, right, how expensive it is. Expensive but it's it really speed. Right. And it's really the, the convenience. Yeah. Or like a, a convenience store, same thing. It's all about the speed. It's definitely not quality. That's definitely not price. So there, I mean, so you can just have one that you're yeah. really heavily focused on, but we found that two for us is, is definitely the sweet spot, the quality and the speed. We've actually like been able to speed up how fast we turn out websites and how fast we turn out content and different pieces by getting more and more efficient at what we do, but not sacrificing the quality. Right. And so if you can have two that you're really great at, that's ideal. Every time we've tried to do three, it has crashed and burned and been terrible. And you and I have ended up working 80 hours a week and, you know, yeah. never worked out because you just, you just well, can't do it. It's part of that. It's not there for the service. It doesn't work. Absolutely. And it's, Part of that old adage is you can't make everybody happy, you know, all the time. So you're always going to have somebody who values speed over price and quality or whatever their particular value is. And one of the hard things often, at least as part of our journey, was really identifying that's probably not our client. Yeah, if, if it's price, totally fine. Right. So now one piece that we use to vet our clients, I mean, we have a price threshold and that's really new for us, honestly, within the last couple of years and now we kind of know like if they don't have a specific you know at least a minimum budget for us to work within and everything they're doing and looking and judging everything by during the buying process is all on price like they just want as cheap as possible that's probably not our client because we can't produce quality for them at that price and that can be a hard thing to transition into. And like Jen said, companies evolve. And what is primarily important to them at one point may not be to another, or it might not be later on in that company's evolution. And that's certainly been true for us. 
The interesting thing is we're at the point right now where because we have niched pretty well into one or two categories, we're actually looking at bringing in a lower priced option, which is more like a template base. We were just talking, I was just talking to Ken about it yesterday. And we might be able to do that now. We are going to sacrifice some quality and we know that to give speed and to give the price. But we know we can't do all three because we've learned that lesson. But there's enough of a market that really just needs like the basic startup stuff that we might be able to provide that as an alternative. We would never allow that to come against our core brand, but as to be a stepping stone for smaller providers, because that aligns with our values and our values are to try to help people to grow scale and thrive. Right. And so it is hard sometimes when you do hit a point, like Adrian said, you hit a point that, okay, well, we can only help this many people and make sure that we stay true to the quality and the price and the speed and everything that we've decided really works. You know, so sometimes you do hit a point though, like we're at now where it's like, okay, well, now that we've really established this, we might be able to go back and create something separate for that particular part of our niche, as long as we're not trying to do all three, as long as we're very clear, you know, you cannot get the level of service. If you do this, you cannot get the customization if you do this, but we can provide a solution that it looks like nobody else in the industry is providing. Right. You know, and now we could potentially do it in a smart way. We'll see if we even end up doing that. But those are the kind of questions that once you really get something going, you've established something, then you can expand something else. Like again, back to Airbnb, once they had the locations and all that part down, I think they were really smart about this. Although I don't particularly love them as a company anymore. But anyway, they were really smart about once they had very much established that they were location-based and you know home-based, then they started adding activities. Then they started adding Airbnb experiences. And that's a perfect add-on for what they do, but it doesn't take away from their core business. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so important. Well, and this also plays into, especially if you're producing a product, let's say, there's always that question of, do you make money on quantity or do you make money on quality? And that's, Absolutely. Yep. And that's part of what you kind of have to identify is what kind of company are we? Are we a company who makes money because we can churn out more widgets than anybody else in an eight-hour period? So our widgets may last two years less than our competition, but we can churn them out faster and our clients are happy that and they're willing to give up the fact that they may not last quite as long because we can get them to them faster. We can solve their problem faster. My husband just bought a tractor. So tractor's on my brain, but it means he can get his tractor running faster because it can get XYZ widget faster. Two years from now, he might have to buy another one, but it's still worth it because right now he can get that tractor going. So you've got that client. Then you've also got the client who's like, well, I'll wait an extra three weeks for it. Because I know it's going to last me 10 years instead of five years. So that's the other part of the game is, are you quantity or are you quality? And neither one is good or bad. Like they both have a place in the market. And you well, and, have to decide which one is your place to own. And you can decide like where I think we're at a hinge point right now where we're trying to decide this. You can decide that you're going to have different services or products for each market. Like I'm thinking about like the designer market. I think Donna Karen's the first one that did it where, you know, high-end designer, high-end clothes, high-end prices, very small niche specific market decided to create the DKMY line. And, you know, that is like for the average consumer that wants to be able to have something by Donna Karen, 
but you know, what a 10th of the price or something. I mean, a ridiculous right. difference and that's risky, right? right? I mean, it's a risk because do you dilute the main brand or your main offering? If you do that, obviously she cannot do the quality. She cannot right. have the same quality or the customization or any of those things in those pieces, but she can address price. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's good. That's gotta be a, those are decisions you have to make as you get along your journey. Well, and I love how you articulated that, Jess, because she essentially maxed out her high-end target market. Yeah, her right. market. She had bigger aspirations than that, but she had maxed out her market. So she had to figure out a way to connect with a new market, with a new target audience. And so she was able to use that notoriety, like you said, Jen, that, that she had built with that and then figure out a way to appeal to a broader audience. And it opened up a whole new world for her. And so you can max out your target your market, right. yeah, your niche. And that is one thing to be aware of as you are niching down is there is, depending on your niche, there is the potential to have too much market share and there not be enough market share left for you to keep growing. And maybe once you max out your market share, you're happy with that size of company. You're happy with your profit margins and you're good. Just be aware somebody else may be coming up behind you to start nipping at your heels and take market share. But you can be there and stay there and be innovative and continue to own your market share and be good. But if your company wants to grow beyond that, you're going to have to start looking for new markets. And I think your example is brilliant from that standpoint because she did do it very well of creating a, you know, a complementary brand for a whole new market. And she's got, you know, significant market share in, in her new area now. So, yeah, that's a great example. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this third episode here in June for talking about our brand messaging. We talked about and dug into what your product or service is solving for your client. We identified pain points in the last episode. And today we talked about how do you solve those pain points? What is your product doing? And how do you do that in a way that doesn't complicate things for the client? And how do you go deep enough to know that you're solving your client's problems and not creating more? We talked about how do you stand out in your industry? How do you make sure that you're different from your competition? And how do you identify who your competition is? And we talked about the quality price and speed triangle and different aspects of how to make that work for your business and not overreach yourself. So thank you again for joining us next week. We'll be digging into where do you find your clients now that you've identified your target market, identified who to connect with and how to connect with. Now we're going to talk about where they are in social media, online, and how do you connect directly with them there. So we hope to see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Beacon Way. We hope you enjoyed it and had some good takeaways. Please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you've enjoyed the show, please give us some stars on your podcast channel of choice. For more information, tips, and notes from the show, check us out at beaconmm.com. For more information on how Beacon can help market your business, email us at welcome at beaconmm.com.